Welcome back to the Bushnell Project. A little bit of a comedy show going on today. We head into story time in chapter 6 of Esther. So I just attempted to do this entire podcast of chapter 6 live on Facebook. Got everything all set up. I had the program all ready to go. And I made one adjustment with the computer so I could see what was actually going on on Facebook. Got going, and when I pressed the button to record, well, I didn't notice that it didn't go. So I did the entire podcast without recording it live on Facebook. So if you want a little comic relief, you can go see, compare the two. The one that's where I'm not worried about looking into a camera, and which is the one I'm about to do. Or the one where I was worried about looking into a camera, which is the one that is now posted on Facebook for eternity. All right. But we are in chapter 6 of Esther. And how about this? If you want the uh, the full introduction where I talk about chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, go to Facebook, John Bushnell, and um, you should be able to hear that and see it. Not that there's much to see. It's just me talking into my mic. But I give the full review. So on this podcast, we're just going to kind of jump into chapter 6 where... Haman has had this gone home, really, really excited about everything that's happening because he's found favor in the king, and now he's found favor in the queen because she just threw a banquet for only the king and he. And so it's he's just super happy, he tells his family about it. They say that he should build gallows to hang Mordecai in the morning. He's super excited about that idea. They build the gallows. They're ready to hang Mordecai. He goes in. He's going to head into the into the citadel, into where the king is, to get permission to hang Mordecai. Meanwhile, the king has had a restless night. So let's read about it. Chapter 6 of Esther in the Old Testament. On that night, the king could not sleep, and he gave orders to bring the book of memorable deeds, the Chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written how Mordecai had told about Big Thana, and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the threshold and who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. And the king said, Well, what honor or distinction has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? The king's young men who attended him said, Well, nothing has been done for him. And the king said, Who is in the court? Well, now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to speak to the king about having Mordecai hanged on the gallows that he had prepared for him. Oh boy. All right, now pausing from the Bible for a second. Can you just feel the tension? Haman's coming in, giddy as can be, and the number two most powerful man in all the world has built these gallows to hang the guy he hates more than anybody else in the world and is super excited about that. Meanwhile, the king who couldn't sleep has just found out that the guy that Haman wants to hang, Mordecai, is actually a hero, and he wants to bestow an honor on him. So before Haman gets to tell the king what he's here for, the king has a question for Haman. So let's catch back up here. And the king's young men told him, Haman is here, is there, standing in the court. And the king said, well, let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king said to him, what should be done to the man whom the king delights to honor? And Haman said to himself, well, whom, 
Would the king delight to honor more than me? <laughs> oh, yeah. So Haman said to the king, Well, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let royal robes be brought, you know, robes which the king himself has worn, and the horse that the king has ridden, and on whose head a royal crown is set. And let the robes and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials. And let them dress the man whom the king delights to honor. And let them lead him on the horse through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Well, buddy, that's a great idea. Okay, that's a little southern Texas version. (laughs) But the king says to Haman, Hurry, take the robes and the horse, as you have said, and do so to Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Leave out nothing that you have mentioned. So Haman took the robes and the horse, and he dressed Mordecai and led him through the square of the city, proclaiming before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. And Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends, everything that had happened to him. Then his wise man and his wife, Zeresh, said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but will surely fall before him. While they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. End of chapter 6. Oh my, 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 my. Who here wants to be Haman right now? Yeah. Nobody. (laughs) Right? Haman is in a lot of trouble. He's headed to the second feast, the second night in a row, where it's just him and the king and Queen Esther And Queen Esther is throwing this great feast. And Haman's karma has really just changed. Now, what is karma? Well, karma is something that some people believe in and things like that. But you could say luck. His luck has just changed. Or maybe God is intervening. And Haman, who is out to do evil, is being stopped by God. But we'll have to see. We have to get to chapter 7 and see what really happens. Because there's still an edict in all the land. And in a few months, all the Jews will be killed by whoever wants to kill them. And the day will be rewarded for doing it. So that edict is still an edict. And there's nothing anybody can do to change it, according to the laws, the Persian laws. So the Jews are still in a bad place. But this Haman doesn't seem to be in a good place. There's these big, tall gallows that he wanted to hang Haman, uh, Mordecai from. And now, and now it doesn't look like that's going to be a good idea. I mean, why hang the guy that the king just honored, right? Not a good idea. So we'll have to see what's about to happen. Let's, but let's apply this, right? We see Haman's anger here really taking off. And we see Mordecai remaining cool and not letting things go to his head. For instance, he's honored, but he doesn't let it go to his head. He doesn't disrespect Haman while Haman is leading him around. Otherwise, that would have been uh, remembered in, in the book, and it wasn't. And so... It really just says that Mordecai pretty much goes back. He doesn't throw off the crown or admit or say, I don't wanna I don't want this. He just allows the honor to be bestowed upon him and then he goes back to his life like it should be. Haman, 
whose hatred for Mordecai is consuming his life. And it's causing him to hate a whole group, a whole people group, millions of people, all of them Jews, that he wants to kill. That's pretty strong hatred. And where did this hatred come from? It came from Haman having somebody else not praise him. Mordecai simply would not praise a man who's not God. And Haman took that to heart. And he allowed it to affect his heart. And he hated Mordecai. Let's think about ourselves today. Children, teenagers, adults. With this, all these circumstances going on around us, or if you're listening to this five years from now, whatever the circumstances are that are around you, how you respond does matter. We want to be careful of hatred. And we want to try to mature. So we need to be able to go to those who are older than us, go to those who we see responding better and ask for advice so that we don't fall into the into these traps. So children learning to, when you're angry or you're mad or disappointed, to be able to go to your parents and talk about that. This is why I feel this way. Or maybe I don't understand the feelings I'm having. And talk with your mom or your dad about that. Teenagers, you too. The most influential people still in your life are your parents. And they should be. That's how God designed it. So go to them. This is why I'm angry. Or here's why I'm frustrated. Or I'm not sure what my feelings really are. But I'm having these feelings and these emotions. And I'm having a hard time identifying them. Because we need to mature in these emotions. We need to gain more control over how we respond to our feelings so that our feelings don't control us so much. That's a sign of maturing. And then as we mature, we learn how to use our emotions in a way that is beneficial to those around us. So think about the sporting world. Right now they don't get to play sports and things like that. So I'll say a little shout out to some of the things that sports teaches us, right? So if, you're, if your team... Let's say you really cheer on a professional or college team and your team loses and you start hating the team that beat them. Well, that's not healthy. That's not good. We don't, we don't want to do that. That's a sign of immaturity. Uh, what, if, um, what if you're playing in the sport and your coach is teaching you good sportsmanship? Whether you win or you lose, you congratulate the other team on a game they played. And if they played a good enough game to beat you, then you should congratulate them. Hey, you guys played great. You beat us. Well done. You played well. That's good sportsmanship. And it's controlling your emotions. Your emotions may be really disappointed that you lost. Maybe you even cost the team the game. But how you respond to that really matters. You see, Haman, Haman has all this power to respond however he thinks he wants to, and so he has no control over his emotions. Although, actually, he does have a little bit of control over his emotions. We saw that earlier. But he had such disdain for Mordecai that he didn't just reach out and hit him because he felt he was too important to do that. So it was actually pride, right? This other, another issue. So because of pride, he didn't do what he felt like doing. But you could also say that was self-control. He did show some self-control there. So looking at how do we show self-control in the difficult times? Well, these are pretty difficult times. So how are you showing self-control? Parents, teenagers, husbands, wives, moms, how are we showing self-control? And how we respond to other people, how we respond to one another, how we respond to ourselves when we fail to respond in a way that is proper. 
So I want to encourage all of us to look at ways that we can be ready to respond, even though we may be feeling very uncertain about the times right now. What does my future look like? Maybe three months ago, you were pretty sure, hey, I'm going to a family wedding in May and another one in June, and I'm going to be doing this in July. And now that wedding in May is not happening. And that wedding in June, maybe not, right? Graduation. All those people who are going to graduate this May and this June, that may not happen now. More than likely, in some cases, it's not going to happen. How are we responding to that? How are we allowing those emotions to take control of us? Or how are we taking control of those emotions? The emotions themselves are normal. What we do with them, though, is a sign of maturing, a sign of letting God be in control of who you are, looking to be more godly in how we respond, right? So I want to encourage you to be more like Mordecai and not to be like Haman. And to look at Esther, who was very, very young at this time, and who was very, very brave to go out and approach the king, and very wise, because what she's doing is from some super wise counsel, whether it was from her or maybe from Mordecai or from the eunuchs that she had learned were very wise. Because eunuchs usually were wise men that had been captured from other, uh, other parts of the world, and they were made into eunuchs so they would not be distracted and brought to the king's palace to help him rule the world, if you will. So she has learned the wisdom of the eunuchs, and um, well, probably the, one of some of the top eunuchs would be her advisors, and so that's what she seems to be doing. So we can learn from this, even though this was written well over 2,500 years ago. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, remember, if you want some comic relief, go watch the Facebook version of it. Um, as I try to go, I did I did go Facebook Live, and I did post it up there. So you can find that on my Facebook page, John Bushnell. Or I might try and post it if I can figure out how to do that to the Bushnell Project. God bless you guys. Have a great rest of the evening.